What do you think you're doing preaching, Hugh? Who do you think you are? You're not very clever. People just put up with you because they're nice Christians. No one actually says what they really think. You haven't heard from God. You've not prayed enough. You're not holy enough. You never will be. You're a kid playing a man's game. No one ever changes because of your sermons. Just look at your life. You argued with your wife. You lost it with your kids. If people really knew who you are, they wouldn't give you the time of day. Just quit now. Eject. Get out before you cause more damage. You could just smile and get through it and hope for the best. Hold on. Look at that person's frown. They've just realized it's you preaching and they're trapped now. Can't get out. They'll be embarrassed. They're pretending to make notes, but they're already bored. Just hope for the best. Hope for the best. Come on, Hugh. God's called you to this. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. He didn't choose you because you were smart, funny, or eloquent. He chose you because he decided on you. Even if you do mess it up, he loves you. He cherishes you. He pursued you when you were more of a mess. He won't walk out on you now. Hey, come on. His word is powerful. It's effective. He promises to work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is building the church. He's given everything to you that you need for life and godliness. Come on. Take your thoughts captive. Make them obedient to the word of God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will. He will. He will draw near to you. Come on now. God's for us. Who can be against us? Holy Spirit, fill me. Anoint me now. Soften and open hearts. Grant me courage and faith and discernment. Let there be a demonstration of the Spirit's power today. Let chains, come on God, be broken off. Healing come. Glory given to Jesus. May people find and follow you, Lord, into fullness of life today. For your glory and their goodness. In the name of the risen, ruling, reigning, interceding Jesus. Amen. Let's go. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Who else knows that there is a constant battle going on for your mind? Anyone else ever feel that? Anyone else self-conspicuous when you came to church today? Anyone, if they saw me, what would they think? Anyone else feel God speak to them and think, oh, maybe I could share this, but I'm not sure how it will go. There is a constant battle going on for our hearts and our minds all the time. Craig Rochelle says this. He says, your life is heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In 10 years' time, someone will look at you in the mirror and that person will be the fruit of the kind of thoughts that you have today. Are you happy with where your thoughts are taking you? Think about that for a moment. Are you happy with where your thoughts are taking you? true, isn't it? It's, it's not about self-help, these thoughts. It's actually, as we're going to see today, about bringing your thoughts into line with God's thoughts and being transformed in that 
way. There's a whole discipline of modern psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which is developed that reveals that many problems from eating disorders to relational challenges to addictions and even some forms of depression and anxiety are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. And treating those often begins with changing your thinking. So that's CBT. Thousands of years ago, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You know that verse. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Can you say transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Can you say mind? So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The word transformed in these verses is where we get the word metamorphosis from. It's just a nice word. Can you say metamorphosis? There you go. Which speaks of, we know, a process of change. Metamorphosis. A process of change. Be transformed. Metamorphosize. I don't know what the word would be. By the renewing of your mind. So you could say changing your thinking will change your life. But this is not just any thoughts. This is changing your thinking to have the thoughts of God. Today we're kicking off a well-being series. You've got a well-being book on your chair. You will need this in a few moments. And we are going to be looking at over the next couple of months, God's plan for your well-being in your physical, emotional spiritual, relational, financial, and vocational well-being. I think I did well to remember all of those. Can I have some encouragement? There you go. Thank you. Sorting out. Is it an acronym? Is that the one? Or what's the other? It's an acronym. There you go. Today. Um, but today, to set up the series, it's all about having a healthy mindset. Okay? Can you put your hands on your mind for a moment? Healthy mindset. Now, I... It's not just about that, the heart and the mind, inner being, but it starts a lot with your thinking. I don't know why I don't need to touch your hands yeah, so now. Because um, how you think about these areas of life and how you think what God's purposes are for you and how you think you can change and whether you have a growth mindset will make an absolutely vital difference to your life. So if you want to flourish in your well-being, so we're using the word well-being, the biblical word might be shalom, holistic flourishing, I want you to take one very important action. You should have a pen that was on your chair, and you should have a book. I want you to open up your book and write your name in the first page, so that if you leave your book lying around, we know you're not interested. Sorry, so we can return the book to you. If you're really not interested, don't write your name in. But this book is yours for free. Um, they, they aren't free, they cost a fiver, so if you want to make a donation, cover costs wonderful, but that's not necessary. They're yours for free. It's a 50-day guide that we're going to be walking through as a church in the coming few months. Even if you're not going to come into this building again, take it, read it, it will do you good. But if you're part of Redeemer or looking to be part of, get this book, get stuck into a life group so that you can journey with other people through the series. Just pay attention to the topic preached on the Sunday, because it's not going to follow this order exactly the same. Have you all written your name in it? Peer over the shoulder of the person next to you. Out if they haven't done it. If you don't recognize them and they're a guest, just smile. It's okay. You don't have to. Um, you do have another little booklet on you. And so while you're at it, write your name in that one. 
So uh, today, starting this evening, is the beginning of 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're doing as a church. There are various prayer gatherings, which we'll tell you a bit more about later. And this, again, is just a daily devotional. So you have one page which gives you a focus for your prayers and your communion with God. And then you have a blank page where you can just journal any thoughts or verses or ideas or things God says to you. And you get a pen out of it. Nice pens. Mika, great job. Good design. Who likes the pens? Very good. I think. I think you're great. So, back to kind of what we're doing. That's a, a little introduction and the practicalities of the books out the way for now. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you're not used to the Bible or it's very dusty or you have no idea where 1 Kings is, uh, start at the beginning and go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Simon, Samuel, 1 Kings. And you'll be there, or just look on the screen, and you can see it that way. But you've probably got to phone me, just type it in as well. We're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, because the story of Elijah is one that we're going to be journeying through throughout this series. But I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray for me, I'm going to pray for you. I wonder if you'll actively join me in inviting God to speak to you. Lord Jesus, we've got out of bed, and we've gathered today to meet with you. And we believe that's a privilege that we have as believers. And we believe it's the invitation that you give to us, even if we don't know you yet, to come before you. So I ask you, Lord, for a, a supernatural time, for a demonstration of the power of the Spirit, as you change our inner beings, as you change our way of thinking, as you today. Help us soften our hearts. Will we defensive, anxious, worried, self-conscious? Help us. To receive the word of God into fertile soil. Pray you'd help me give you wisdom, discernment, insight, anointing for today. We invite you as best as we can. We drop all the shields we have and we say, Come, Lord, let your word work effectively, illuminated by your spirit to the glory of Jesus and the honor of the Father. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 as part of the story of Elijah. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. It has highs, it has lows, it's full of a range of emotions. There's lots of activity at one point. Elijah is winning a miraculous battle with the prophets of Baal where God brings down fire on the altar. And everyone knows who the true and living God is. Do you know the story? It's powerful. It's a demonstration of God and who he is. It's a high point. It's a success story for Elijah. And then there's this lady called Jezebel. Can you say Jezebel? Jezebel. And she utters some threats against Elijah. She throws words of accusation his way. And unexplainably in one sense, Elijah seems to lose the plot a little bit. He seems to forget what God's just done. His miraculous victory. His demonstration of power and authority. And he runs for his life and he ends up in the desert. He loses his plot. His thinking has got all muddled up. He forgets who God is, what God's done, what God's called him to. It's almost like he's just had a mouth down and he's forgotten the promises of God altogether. So let's read the story a little bit. Chapter 19, verse 3, read down to verse 9. Then Elijah, after these threats, became afraid, this mighty prophet who's called down fire from heaven. And God's responded. He became afraid and immediately he ran for his life. 
When he came to Beersheba, that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, so he's all alone, and he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. What a contrast. He said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and kindly and gently, with lots of pastoral wisdom, said, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for the second time and touched up, and with the same pastoral wisdom and gentleness said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, he ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here? Elijah, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord of armies. But, my Israelites, my people have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are looking for me to take my life. Elijah has done what in our household we call spiraling. Can you say spiraling? He has spiraled <laughs> in the wrong Mindset. It's, it's like he's got amnesia. How, how do you go from this beautiful, powerful, wonderful encounter with God and His power to where He is now? What about the miraculous provision He's experienced? He raised a boy from from the dead. The mighty acts of God on the mountaintops. Do they count for nothing when you're facing the present circumstances? One person, it seems, has turned massive victory into overwhelming defeat in the mind of Elijah. Can you see that? How does that happen? He's become irrational, negative, morbid, and forgetful. Do you ever get like that? Yeah, then nudge the people next to you. So we have this phrase in our house, stop spiraling. So when we see each other spiraling into self-pity and morbidity, we, we just say to each other, stop spiraling. And I get like that more often than I'd like to imagine. Quite often when I'm physically exhausted and emotionally given out, Sunday afternoon, get home, grumpy, just the kids are not behaving perfectly to give me peace. Everything's not in this wonderful world. And I just don't do I can get like this, no, no, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I just eat some worms. Who knows that song? Google it, you'll never unhear it again. And he's just like, oh, no, he's just, I just get miserable. And then Clay just says, stop feeling sorry for yourself. I need that sometimes. Stop spiraling, she would say. Do you ever get a bit like that? Maybe it's not that dramatic. It's cathartic, isn't it? Don't you feel good? Like really being miserable about yourself when you kind of, you have like two voices going on, don't you? You know you're kind of going down a wrong road and it's not helpful, but it just really feels good. I deserve to feel rubbish right now. Like, ah, oh, it's just the world. Sometimes you jump out of it. Sometimes you get that funk for days and days and days. And you can draw it back to that point when you started to spiral. Dave Smith in that book, God's plan for your well-being mindset. He said, three things to remember when you get into a wrong mindset. Know who you are. Your identity. Know where you are. Be honest about the situation going on in your life. Be honest about your emotional life. The questions, the concerns, the anxiety. 
I don't think Elijah went from zero to meltdown. I, I, I wonder if there's this underlying fear he's got. After all, Jezebel has got a track record for putting the prophets of God to death. You know, so I wonder if he's had this lurking fear that he's never really dealt with. He's just buried it. It's just got distracted from it, but he's never dealt with what's going on inside his heart and his mind. Do you deliberately pay attention to the dashboard gauges of your life? So how are you doing physically? I know it's just after Christmas, okay, so we're all a bit that way. Um, but generally, how, how are you doing physically? How are you doing emotionally? Is that, is that an area of your life you ever think, how am I doing emotionally? What replenishes me? What drains me? What do I need to guard against and get help with? How, how are your gauges? You know, if I, if I watch that film, if I go on social media, if I do this, if I don't say that, relationally, vocationally, financially, how are the gauges on your life? Do you know where you are? So you can move forward or spot the danger signs. And then number three, know that you can change. Elijah recovers wonderfully. He has a fruitful ministry. And the Lord takes Elijah home in a chariot of fire. That's a pretty cool way to go, isn't it? Yeah? Anyone want to finish that way? I'm not quite sure. Like, I presume he doesn't feel the, the heat of it. But it's a nice way to go. And this is, James in the New Testament says this. Elijah is a man just like us. So that's a comfort in terms of understanding that we can have these, no matter how successful or together you've got, we can, we can have these times where we just plummet, overwhelm, it burns out, however you want to phrase it. But also, know that you can change, God recovers Elijah. So no matter what situation you find yourself in today, or how negatively ingrained or helpless you feel, and you've heard hundreds of these sermons and you've tried to go again a hundred times, you can change. Freedom can come. And it can happen today and it can start now. And you say good news. And this is good news because you can change. You can have a fruitful life no matter how much of a mess it's been. I believe this with all my heart. Our God is a redeeming, working together for good all things for those who love him and call them to God. He's a God who takes what's broken and makes it whole. He takes, he's a God who takes what's dead and makes it alive. He's a God who takes regret and he redeems it and brings life and hope and a future. Do you believe that? Yeah. There's a little whisper about that situation in your life that you'll always have to live with that. It will disappear. It won't go away. But you can walk free from it. You can remain faithful to your spouse. You can. You can be satisfied without a partner in Christ. You can. You can break free from the power of Paul. I want you to take some time to recognize what I'm thinking. Some of you got a long list like me. Ready? We know it. But is there anything else? Ask those close to you. Hey, where do you see something manifesting in my life that's rooted in normal thinking? And nice. And I want you to develop habits of replacing wrong thinking and walking down a different path. Lipstick on your makeup mirror. Toothpaste, don't know if that will work. Something in your bathroom mirror. Maybe just a poster. Maybe a reminder on your phone. Five minutes after your alarm goes. About your identity, who you are. Titus 2 is still a verse. 20 years I held this one. There is grace to say no to unrighteousness. 
and to live a self-controlled, upright, holy life in this present age where we eagerly await the returning of our great and glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us and prepared us to be a people who are zealous for good works. So it's not just about saying no to sin. There's grace to say no. There's grace to live a self-controlled, upright, holy life. There's grace for you. In that, whether it's eating, whether it's drinking, whether it's some addiction, whether it's negative thinking, there's grace to live self-controlled. It's God who works in me to will and work according to His purpose. You replace wrong thinking with the Word of God. Audio. Play the Bible. When you're in the car, and you've got nothing else going on, play the Bible. Play worship songs, listen to good music, and then give God glory for great music, whatever, wherever it comes from. I wonder if you'll stand with me. Just for a moment, I want you to be still. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify one deep-rooted lie that you believe in. In our culture, fear is a big deal. God doesn't care for me. God won't help me. God's not here. Fear not, for I am with you, God says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. For some of you, that's a verse you need to wake up and proclaim for the next however long it might be. Holy Spirit, would you come to that? And bring a freedom and start by cutting through bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and tensions of our hearts. by wrong thinking about the nature of God. And I just want to tell you about him for a while. Do you know he's a doting father? He's been there every moment of your life. Even when you felt most alone, he's been there. Do you know he sent his son to get spat upon. But he's the one who captures every one of your tears in a bottle and holds it. Do you know that he is drawn towards brokenness and cannot but help Reach out. Do you know he's the God who initiates? Do you know that he's the God when he sees you doing that thing that you are disgusted with? It shows you before you even knew it was something to be disgusted by. And you were even dead to that. He chose you. He loved you. He pursued you. He's like a mother hen. He puts his wings around you. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He draws along. Jesus is your brother. He's your friend. You can know the mind of God. So I wonder, I'm going to do a collective prayer. Invite Jesus to be Lord of our lives. Some of you are praying this for the first time. Others, believers, you're freshly saying, I want to lay aside everything that's got a grip on me. And I want the Lordship of Jesus to come. I'd love us to pray this all out loud together if you're comfortable with it. 
words are going to be very deliberate. So let's pray together. Pray after me. Lord Jesus, come and have authority in my life. Fill me with your spirit.
can I shout every bit of darkness? Redeem me fully. No longer a slave to sin. Now a slave. One bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Ransom. Now the habitation of God. Thank you. You delight to dwell in me. Yeah. You know, as it's in you, the other one who's brought me here. As it says in Ephesians. We bless you. We honor you. We delight in you. Come and change us. All of God's people said. Amen. Let's sing together.